Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and this episode is a special episode because the Chiefs have made it thus. We are in Super Bowl week of what we hopefully, I almost said will be a winning, but hopefully will be a winning effort by the Kansas City Chiefs to bring home their third Super Bowl title in the Patrick Mahomes era. We've got a lot to get to. Clearly, I'm stirred up about it and flustered and ready to go, so let's not delay at all. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He wants to know who actually invented the fade. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, man? I don't know much, but it seems too cool for uh, white people. He was also, like Kadarius Tony, ranting at a Giants fan about Kadarius Tony. Sam Blackett is with us. What's going on, dude? They just don't get how useful he is and uh, relevant for our team. Um, they should really just trade us like a first-round pick back for him. And I am Sean Deegan, and like Kadarius Tony, I also could be a number one receiver if I just got the ball and hamstrings and was athletic and could catch. But enough about my athletic prowess. Let's get to the actual fun stuff of the day. Chiefs are mere days away. By the time this podcast drops, I think it'll be technically four because this will drop early Thursday morning. So if you want to include the full Thursday, four days technically until the Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers. Again, Patrick Mahomes will be going for his third Super Bowl title. Just a bananas bananas thing to think about for a man who's 28 years old, uh, especially when I am six years his senior. It's a weird thought, but a fun thought if you're a Chiefs fan. We have lots to get to. I want to start things off, though, guys, with a little bit of drama. Because why not? Everything else is going to be a lot of fun. It'll be positive. It'll all be good stuff. Let's start with the things that are getting stirred up a little bit, specifically on the side of the San Francisco 49ers. It kind of began with Nick Bosa when he was asked about the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line and what they bring to the table, what what are the things that he sees that they do well or that they do that he can expose. And he said, they hold a lot. And that was it. And that I could kind of like, you know, pass off. Because the Chiefs offensive line is, they're, they're not great at not holding. They're actually kind of like towards the top of the league in holding penalties, specifically the tackles. So that's, it was like, all right, cool. Like, I get it. It's, it's kind of mind games. You're also pointing out an obvious fact. So it's like, what are, we, what are you going to do? But then you have a story that comes out about the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco 49ers complaining about the quality of their practice field when they got to Las Vegas. They said it was too soft and they wanted a firmer field and that they asked the Kansas City Chiefs to rework their schedule so that when the Chiefs weren't using the field, the 49ers could be on it. And the Chiefs said no. 49ers have continued to kind of bring it up. The last thing that kind of came up was during the initial media scrum when both teams are announced and you get like the big hullabaloo of, hey, it's the Super Bowl and everybody's here. Charvarius Ward was asked what it was like being at the Super Bowl with the 49ers versus when he was with the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. And he said, it's definitely better this time on this side. That's, that's a definitive statement. And so I want to ask you guys, what do you make of all of this? Because the Chiefs have still basically been 
kind of business as usual. They're the same guys like Travis Kelsey couldn't praise George Kittle enough, couldn't couldn't, you know, be self-deprecating enough about the whole, you know, who who invented the fade story that came out. He and Mahomes has been as, as straight laced as possible. Andy Reid, kind of the same thing, enjoying the limelight and making jokes, being self-deprecating. It's it's all kind of the same stuff we're used to. There aren't really many surprises about the Chiefs have handled the media. And instead, the 49ers have kind of gone rogue. And in any other year, if they weren't playing a team that was going for their third Super Bowl title in the past four years, they might be perceived as the villain just based on kind of how they've been portrayed in the media because of things that they've said and or done. So what do you make of all this? Jacob, we'll let you bat lead off. What do you make of all the drama the 49ers are either creating or has occurred around them? One team consistently goes to this game. The other one doesn't understand how to approach this week where you have numerous interviews and the one time you slip up, it's going to be news. So I, I think that's really my only thought towards it is, yeah, the 49ers, they went to the Super Bowl in 2019 and, you know, the prior one they went to with Harbaugh was a different generation ago. But like, they clearly don't understand how to approach this week. Sam, what about you? What do you make of all the the drama that's gone on with the 49ers here leading up to this Bowl week? <clears throat> haven't paid a lot of attention to it, honestly. Um, again, the Joey Bosa stuff, I don't really expect him to say anything else. Um, like defensive linemen are kind of that just – that's their, their vein as they will always talk crap on the player they're going to go against. That's most defensive linemen. Um, the field condition one, uh, I can't wait till after the Super Bowl to see how that shakes out because, you know, if 49ers win, it's all going to be, oh, they had to practice on crappy fields and still beat you. If we win, it's because they had to practice on crappy fields. That's why you won. It's just like all the, the, just storylines. It's, there's always storylines. The only one that like. No, I'm not affected by it in any way, but it's just like, really, man, is the Charvarius Ward one. Because it's like, at no point did the Chiefs ever do you wrong. Like, that that's the one that upset, Not again, not so upset, but I'm just like, it was, I feel like it was unnecessary because, and again, he has been there. And that's the thing. It's like, he's experienced the Super Bowl week. So it, I, there's no reason to throw shade at your former team when there was no negative blood and most most Chiefs fans still to this point have always been huge Charvarius Ward fans I think I don't think there is ever you could ask a Chiefs fan and say that what are your feelings on Charvarius Ward and they wouldn't say anything other than dude wouldn't got it to help this win a Super Bowl and then got his money like good for him um but yeah that's I I'm not I think Jacob's right like it is evident who's who's been there who's a consistent uh consistently experiences this level and the ones that are just trying to be there. Yeah, initially I thought when Bosa kind of started talking, I was like, oh, it's going to be a chirpy Super Bowl. Because, again, like what he said was, is true. So it's, it didn't really bother me. It was just like, oh, it's funny. Like look at him playing mind games and kind of getting after the team without without saying anything that's like heinous or out of technically out of line or anything like that. He just said something was true and just how he said it. It's like, hmm. That's, that's a, that's a Sean, decent jab. Sean, you made me realize 
are we sure Nick Bosa isn't just a closet Chiefs fan who's like, yeah, I'm pissed too. Their tackles hold constantly. <laughs> I've had enough of it. He's already mock drafted for the Chiefs this offseason, and he trades up for an offensive tackle every time because he's fed up with the Chiefs' offensive tackles holding. It has nothing to do with him being a 49er. I would explain why he hasn't performed better against them recently. So that's what I initially thought. But then, like, the story about the field just seemed really odd. One, it was, like, a goofy story to begin with. Like, why is this a story? Like, the, the, the former journalist student in me was like, why is this a story? Like, how did this make it? And that has just kind of evolved, especially with the Charverius Ward comments, to are they building in excuses? Are they just – is this is this the team's – decision like maybe not the coaches but like the players like hey we're going to go in we're going to go hard at them like we don't we're going to make sure they understand that like we think we're better and like have a certain level of bravado to go along with with the, the fanfare that is the Super Bowl week it's been weird I don't know and I just I think we'll talk a little bit more about this but it seems like a weird a weird quarterback to do that against you know, it kind of feels similar to, like, you wouldn't say this against somebody like a Brady or a Manning, you know, right? It's the, they, those guys notice, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. Like, Mahomes is that same person. I was listening, to, I was, well, trying, if you've watched the most recent episode of Time's Ours, it's kind of a mushroom-induced fever dream episode, but it's still a lot of fun. But they talked about how, well, Seth Kaiser brought up specifically that Mahomes smiled when he started to get booed, but the smile never reached his eyes. And I just think that, like, that's the wrong quarterback, the wrong type of guy to, like, talk smack to. A guy who's been there before, who's shown that he's got this, like, Jordan switch. It's like, oh, okay. I remember that. I just, it felt weird to do against a guy like Mahomes. And I don't – and it's – it is one of those where it's – I get it. Like I said, it is – as you mentioned, it's kind of gamesmanship. It's part of the 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 lead up to the Super Bowl is, is getting the fun gamesmanship. But do they not take notes of all the other teams that have talked crap on Patrick Mahomes? All the other players that like to to say that they're garbage and what happens to them? Jamar Chase, um, you having fun at home? Ravens, you having fun at home? Like. It doesn't go well usually. <laughs> no, that's the thing. And the, and the thing is, like, the guys usually talk a lot of smack. Like, they don't perform terribly well either. Like, I know we joke a lot about Sam's predictions, but, like, there's something to be said about the stat line for these number one receivers who have talked a lot of smack, and they just don't do anything against the Chiefs. And instead, on the other side, Mahomes goes off. And... I just, it's, uh, it's one of those things at this point in his career, you have to know, right? Like, you have to know this is not the guy to get motivated. Like, he, guys like him and Travis Kelsey, there's a whole Justin Tucker thing. It's like, I'm going to try and poke and prod him. Like, why? Why? Why these guys, man? Like, Mahomes and Kelsey specifically, guys who we've seen when the lights get the brightest, they are at their best. I just that's not the dude I'm I'm taking a swing at verbally. Next question here, just because of all the stuff that's going on, I want to ask you maybe a more football y question. Who benefits more from this bye week? 
Because and the only reason I ask that is because one, Andy Reid has that you know the regular season record of bi week success. You know, you give him the extra week to prepare for you, he's probably gonna blow your doors off. Like he's probably gonna win that game. It hasn't always been the case though in the Super Bowl. Pre Patrick Mahomes it wasn't he didn't get to the Super Bowl a while, but like if you give him the extra bye week, there has been some there's been a lot of statistical success. Kyle Shanahan, on the other hand, is is I think it's been said on this podcast even, is another one of those brilliant minds offensively who I, I you don't necessarily want to give him that much time to prepare. Also, the 49ers defense, like if you read, there's an article on ESPN, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was by, but they did, uh, Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator, talked about how he was embarrassed with the effort by the 49ers. And you've had two weeks to show them all the film about what are you doing here? This is unacceptable. And getting them motivated and juiced up. Like, you can't do this against Patrick Mahomes and expect us to win. So who do you guys think actually benefits more from a bye week? Knowing that, you know, what, what's at stake, the film's all out there. Everybody has all the same resources at this point. Who benefits more from this extra week Sam, we'll start with you. I do think it's us. Um, not, and I'm not even looking at at the strategical side, which, like a lot, like as you mentioned, a lot of people put put into. Um, it does it does play a factor, but I think just with the injuries that have been mounting on our team, we do have like our number one weapon on offense is an older guy for the NFL. Um, it's good to get him just, especially after some pretty rough, uh, games he's had to play in through, through the postseason. So I, I think the fact that you, you, it gives you that extra week to, as I think, it, I think I saw it on, uh, as Pat Mac, uh, Nate Taylor was on the Pat McAfee show, I think today or yesterday, um, basically saying that Willie Gay is pretty much guaranteed to go. Um, Tooney's still pretty questionable, but you give him as much time as you can to bring back one of the best guards in the game. No slight to Allegretti played well, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to take Tooney, uh, even a mildly healthy Tooney over him any day. So uh, yeah, I, I think the rest benefits us just because we, we are ailing a little bit injury wise. Um, and I think Willie Gay is going to be an important part of this, this defense this week specifically. Jacob, what about you? Who do you think benefits more from that extra week off? Yeah, I'm with Sam. It's the Chiefs needed a week to get healthy, and they're not a team that I I don't think they're a team that will lose focus in the postseason. Right now, this theory is supported by their current circumstances. This is a team that loses focus during the regular season, not the postseason. So, I mean, the one that got them was going back to the Super Bowl, and I think just kind of buying into the the hype of the the week off between the Super Bowl and the conference championships, which also I still don't know how I feel about. I mean, I'm cool with it this year because the Chiefs needed it, but as a fan, I'm I've just been uh, waiting. Yeah, I think again, it far be it for me to try and talk about who benefits more scheme wise, but I really can't add a whole lot more to it. But the health. Health is such a big thing, getting guys rest, and Chiefs, I think, have definitely needed that more. So that extra week, I, I also give the nod to the Chiefs, as you guys have both put very well. 
Last thing here before we dive into matchups, and that is an always fun question, because I think you can take it any way that you want, individual, team-wise, franchise history, et cetera, et cetera. What's at stake for each of these teams? That's I, I love this question. I think this is a much more fun question than who's the GOAT, which is the one that I think gets thrown around a lot more. I just I love this one because it's a much broader question. It can apply to anybody. And any and even like just the franchise in general, it can apply to them. So what's at stake? What do you guys think? Jacob, we'll start with you. What's at stake for each team here? Are you talking franchise or individual players? Take your shot, man. <laughs> um Well I mean for the Just said like I can take this question. Literally any way you want. You can apply to anybody. He unmutes and says, Sean, what do you if, mean? If I, wanted somebody, if, if I wanted somebody to tell me that I don't listen when they talk, I would just go upstairs and talk to my wife. <laughs> Notice I'm not saying that very loudly either. Uh, yeah, that was very much the dad listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where he picked out what he wanted to hear, but... <laughs> Precisely. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, franchise-wise, the 49ers have won five Super Bowls, and a six, I think, ties them for most with the other franchises. I think, yeah, because Patriots have six, right? Yeah, and they're tied with Steelers, I believe. Patriots have six, and the Steelers have six, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, I mean, for the 49ers as a franchise, it gives that fan base, you know, they can get to kind of walk on airs, which I think is fair. It's like... Hey, you, you're right. You guys are one of the most storied franchises with the amount that you've been to and the amount that you want. I mean, how else can you argue against that? It's like, yeah, we're getting to the point now where it's like young people don't remember them winning it. And that would also be good for their franchise. Um, I don't think there's really much on the line legacy wise for the 49ers guys, other than maybe just cementing some, Hall of Fame cases, like, you know, Kittle's going to be on the fence for sure just because his health hasn't been good. And it'll be interesting to see what his career looks like at the end. Uh, Nick Bosa, I mean, I think it doesn't matter what happens for him. I think where his career is trajected to, it's like, he'll be in. I mean, because that's where these people want to talk when they talk these big picture ones. But other than that, I don't think there's... Much other than Kyle Shanahan not being able to win the championship, that would be huge for him. And unfortunately, it would wreck my tinfoil hat Kyle Shanahan to the Chiefs situation. So that would kill it. Sam, what about you? Where, what do you think is at stake for either team in this situation? Uh, yeah, Jacob made your points about like legacy overall of the 49ers. I was looking at it more within this era um, specifically. I think for the 49ers, it's validation um, because, yes, they are looked at as one of the best teams, but until you win the Super Bowl, you're not the best team. And that's all it is. And and they're a contract-wise, not nothing to do with their players they have, but the contract-wise, they're a fragile team because – they're going to have to start paying people. And it, like Brock Purdy, they, they've they lucked into the 
the one-off of paying or paying him Mr. Irrelevant as your starting quarterback. But guess what? He's got one more year, and then you're going to have to pay that guy too if you're going to keep him. So, yeah, it's I think validation for them in a – what could be, again, we, we've we seen it with many other teams, what could be the chance they get. And, I'm, again, it's not like they haven't been in the Super Bowl relatively recently. They've, they've been within the past five years, but – it's fleeting. It, it goes fast. Um, it, ta- it took them, what, 10 years to get back to it after the hardball? I can't remember when that Super Bowl was, to be completely honest, I, what year that was. But it took, them, it took them many years to get back to it after, after gaining that success. So that success is fleeting for, for most teams. Um, so it's, they, they're a win or go home type team for the most part in, in a lot of ways. But for the Chiefs, it's, if we, it, it's legacy and it's dynasty. I mean, people will, will, will not, I cannot think of a valid argument anyone could bring up to say that this is not a dynasty if the Chiefs win. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's, I didn't really think too much on each player. Um, Mahomes, it just continues the same conversation we've been having since he came in the NFL. Travis Kelsey just, Elevates him one level higher onto who the best is. Um, it, yeah, it's just it just with with what the Chiefs are, it's just an elevation of the conversations that have been happening. Yeah, I think starting with the 49ers, I think this is this is the the difference of Kyle Shanahan being put into an upper echelon of coaches and being a Philadelphia Eagles Andy Reid, you know, a guy who can get there who's consistently going to put a terrific team on the field, but can't get over the hump. I think this is, this is where he starts to get into danger of that moniker. If he wins, I think the narrative is Kyle Shanahan's one of the best offensive minds of our generation. Look, he took a, a seventh round quarterback and developed him into what people were t- calling an MVP candidate earlier this regular season. I think there's a lot at stake for Kyle Shanahan. I think as a franchise, you know, Jacob, you've already put it where it's you win that sixth. It's it's rarefied air in the NFL. For the Chiefs, I think you mentioned dynasty. I think you could realistically because I don't I don't think we have said God. This is the danger of having a podcast and not writing anything down. I don't know that we've ever legitimately said like the Chiefs are a dynasty right now. I think when you get to three, you are is undeniable. Like you're a dynasty at that point. There just there aren't many teams who have gone who have won three Super Bowls in in the past, in like a four year stretch, and certainly not many who have won back to back. So I think that that puts the franchise in rarefied air in terms of like you you can be considered a dynasty at that point by NFL standards. I think Andy Reid at that point is, you know. You get him further and further away from the guy who couldn't win the big game. Like again, like you said, Sam, there's not a whole lot else there as far as new storylines. But I do think that this reignites the Mahomes catching Brady because I think what had happened is so I even heard Aaron Rodgers use this phrase when he was trying to like talk about himself, and I, I actually agreed with it. He's talking about how Brady is the greatest of all time. 
and that's undeniable because he's won seven Super Bowls, he's set records, et cetera, et cetera. He's he's the GOAT. Nice. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But he also quantified it with, but who's the best of all time? Like, who's the best quarterback you've ever seen play? And I think there are a lot of people making who made that argument for Mahomes. Like, Brady's always going to be the GOAT, but Mahomes is the best I've ever seen play in the sport. I think this puts the conversation back into just because Mahomes is, is the youngest quarterback, that stat that's been floating around, um, you can find it almost anywhere I found it on NFL.com, but how Mahomes is the youngest quarterback to ever start four Super Bowls at 28 years old. That And, and this is the year that we all thought they were one and done. Like on this podcast, talking about first round exit. Like maybe they're catching Miami at the right. I think we picked them. I think we picked them all, but I know we talked about how, hey, if they lose, we're not surprised. This team's had its flaws. They're right back here. They're right back in the Super Bowl with a very flawed team offensively. I think that this this win, I think, means more for Mahomes and the Chiefs' legacy than maybe the, the past couple of wins have so far. All right, enough of the broad stuff. Let's get down and dirty and talk about the specifics, starting with the 49ers offense versus the Kansas City Chiefs defense. This is one I am stupid excited for. I think this might even be like more than the offense versus the defense on the Chiefs side of things. I, I This might be the matchup I'm most excited for in the Super Bowl because the Chiefs defense has been lights out. The 49ers have weapons literally just dripping off the field. I just I, I love this matchup. I think it's going to be so much fun to watch. How do you defend this 49ers team, knowing all of the weapons that they have? Debo Samuel, who when he's healthy is just an absolute monster. He's he's what everyone wanted Kadarius Tony to be. Brandon Ayuk seems to have really found his rhythm here over the last you know, last couple of years and this year especially has really found a rhythm with Brock Purdy and has started to kind of realize that potential that they seem to think that he had when they drafted him. George Kittle, if they would just quit making him block, might be the definitive number two tight end in the NFL, knocking on the door of number one with how talented he is. It actually could be a debate if they just let him run routes more often. And then you have in my opinion, the best running back in the NFL by a wide stretch with Christian McCaffrey. You've got weapons everywhere. And they also have Kyle Juszczyk because the fullback's important. And I want to make sure he gets his, gets his due. How do you defend a team like that? Like this is, it's, it's even different than the Chiefs where it's like you have Tyreek and Travis. Good luck. And this team's got studs everywhere. How do you defend that? Sam, we'll start with you. First of all, you need a real good defense, which is a benefit for us. <laughs> We've seen them get beat. That that's the thing is is a, as we talked about when we went into the ball, like when we talked about going into the Baltimore game, the I wasn't impressed with Baltimore until they beat the 49ers. And the 49ers looked absolutely unstoppable until Baltimore came in and was just like, okay. You're you're not as good as people think you are. Now I, I didn't watch that game. It could have just been a weird game, off game. 
I'm pretty sure that was probably a point Debo is out because you can pretty much flip a coin and he's out depending on what it hits. Um, but yeah, no, it's they are a a unique team because you rarely see a team that has that many superstars at every position. Um, I think this this has to be this is one again where I hate to keep calling on the guy, but Spagnola just has to be in his bag. A lot like what we've seen, he has to basically make the 49ers offense play. He he basically needs to call their calls for them, force them to play a way they don't want to play. I'm not going to, like, I refuse to slip into this, oh, Brock Purdy is the limiting factor type thing because I, I refuse to say that Brock Purdy is not a good quarterback because he's, he's in the damn Super Bowl. Like, he he's not Patrick Mahomes, but – pretty damn good quarterback. But my thing is make him beat you the way that we try that we made Lamar beat us. Where it's okay, we know you're good. Now prove it. He might be able to do it, but as we've seen with Lamar, he just can't make that step. That's not a step he's able to make. So Spags this has got to be a Spags game where he's just like he he goes in and knowing exactly what he's doing. Um I think we actually our defense matches up well with what they have offensively because of the speed that we have throughout the back end, um, specifically at linebacker, because that that's the one big key is when you have, I think teams like this when you you're forced to use linebackers to cover positions when a team only has two good positions when you have like say the Chiefs when it's a tight end and a, and a wide receiver you can you can spread that out and and double team a lot more when it's this many good weapons you're forced to one-on-one coverage guys and and having that speed at linebacker is absolutely crucial so i do think we match up well with this offense um as good as you can with how many weapons they have but it it does have to be a you're you're playing our game we're not playing yours type situation jacob what about you how how would you go about trying to take away the weapons of the 49ers how do you defend against that team like Sam said, you defend Brock Purdy like you defend Lamar Jackson. You ask Brock Purdy to make the hardest throws on the field, which are those throws down the sideline Lamar Jackson failed to make. Um, you know, to Sam's point, Brock Purdy is athletic and he's an accurate thrower of the football when he's not under duress of any sort. Uh, but he still is young and he runs from the pocket earlier than, you know, he should and doesn't look to throw after a certain point. That's what killed the Lions was they didn't fail to recognize that for some reason. But uh, I'm with you guys. It's like a lot of dudes to defend. And like Sam said, it's like Debo Samuel, it's it's a coin flip. So thankfully uh, Brett Veach did not pursue him because we don't need one more player on offense who's hurt a lot. But I think you guys have stated it well. We did pursue him. We just got the dollar general version. <laughs> yeah, I if I'm going to be a... Uh, Sam, let's be fair. Uh, I think you're insulting dollar general. Have you guys been to family dollar before? Is it like is it like yes. flea market? 
Basically, yes. we mark it more the level. Just crap all over the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, family Dollar is like if Dollar General. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like uh, Dollar General. I don't feel like I need to be packing heat every time I go. Family Dollar, different story. I think better yet. We got the swap meet, Debo Samuel. Like, road hard, put away wet. Like, you're getting them for a bag of chips and an alternator. Can't start controversy because I didn't use his name. Nope, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I got to be honest with you. I actually thought you were talking about a different one of our players, so... Uh, I, I won't reveal who I was talking about. You'll have to figure that out for yourself, Jacob. It, it just proves the point that their acquisitional wide receivers has not been great this year. <laughs> if I'm going to be slightly more specific, I think I would have Legereus Sneed travel with Debo. And I get that that means that he might have to play some slot, which you know was Legereus Sneed's thing for a long time. I think I'd, I would make Sneed's Sneed travel with Debo and let the rest kind of play out. But that's the one thing I'm doing. Debo to me is just that X factor. It's like if he if he plays well, you're in a lot of trouble. Like there the stats God, I should have found them before and I didn't I ran out of time before the podcast, but the stats on when Debo plays with the 49ers versus when he doesn't and their offensive efficiency are staggering. Like, it's a definitive difference in their favor when he's on the field. If you can take him out of the game plan, I think you have a lot greater chance of success against this team. So I'm just... Google the Athletic, he makes their offense four times more efficient. There you go. And you got a real source with that, too, thanks to Sam. I find a way to take him out of the game. And I, I... out of the, all of those guys on the field, Christian McCaffrey to me is probably the 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 best. If I had to pick a weapon, I'd probably say, well, Christian McCaffrey is like the best weapon they have. I think Debo is their most important weapon. Take him out of the game, and I think you got a really good shot. That's what the other thing I was going to say. Watching the Forty ers in the playoffs is when they've struggled on offense, they've just gone to Christian McCaffrey, and he's made plays for them. That's I, that I do think is the main key is make sure he doesn't beat you first. Let Brock Purdy be try to beat you. Speaking of, and this is a beautiful transition, Jacob. I don't even know if you've read the rundown to know how great a transition this was. But what do you make of Brock Purdy? Because I, I agree with Sam. I think Brock Purdy's a very good quarterback. I think he does some stuff, man. He, you, you go, that's a seventh-round pick? Really? But then it's also like, he'll just make some really bad throws occasionally. Like against the Ravens when he just chucks him to Kyle Hamilton at the end of the game. I just, I don't, I don't know what exactly to make of him. Just based on national, because it seems like people are either in on Brock Purdy, like he should be an MVP, or he's he's just a complete product of Kyle Shanahan's system and actually sucks in reality. So I think both are wrong. So what do you guys make of him? Jacob, since you 
transition this beautifully, you can start. What do you make of Brock Purdy? He's not a bad quarterback. I'm going to start there before I upset anybody. But neither is, I guess I'll just say it, neither was Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> I had tough time saying it after he got benched this year for I have a couple students that are Raiders fans at school and I you know I I like to let them have some fun too so I let them talk to trash and then I tried to talk to them about the Raiders game weeks after it happened I was like I'm not even 75% certain who started the game for you against the Chiefs you got and me off by Farva that's right. Who didn't complete a pass in the second half? Yeah. <laughs> See, I got to be honest with you. I thought it was Jarrett Stidham. Good old Aiden O'Connell. I mean, Stidham might have. If we go back far enough, he might have played some snaps. <laughs> no, Jarrett Stidham was a Bronco this year. Yeah. Yes, this year. <laughs> he had uh, Hoyer. Is that who their backup was? Yeah. Their backup backup? You can never have enough backups. But, um, no, he's not bad, and he fits. Again, I'm not trying to be insulting, and I, it's just going to keep coming across. like It's like he fits Kyle Shanahan's system perfectly, and I don't want to call him a system quarterback because he distributes the ball to the playmakers, and that's all Kyle Shanahan asks his guys to do. Um. Again, he's a good athlete. He his feet killed the Lions. That was the different one of the main differences in the game. But again, I think it's can you go shot for shot with Mahomes if that's what this game turns into? We you know, the Chiefs have shown this year that they may be the team that can just come out and punch you in the mouth constantly based on their playoff resume, or they don't score a single point in the second half if you're the Ravens. It's just, it's tough to say. It's a tough one to predict. So I'm saying Brock Purdy's an NFL quarterback. And also the other thing is being a Big 12 football fan, being an alumni of Kansas State, Brock Purdy was never what I thought he was. Every time I was like, I think Brock Purdy is one of the better quarterbacks in the Big 12. He proved me wrong. And when I was like, this guy is terrible, he proved me wrong. So I'm just like right on the fence about him because I've never known what to think about him. And it started before the NFL. So what I'm hearing, Jacob, is I need you to say these words. Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in the NFL. Brock Purdy might be the best quarterback in this game. Good <laughs> He's got all the abilities possible. Sam, what about you? What do you make of Brock Purdy? Yeah, he... he... Firstly, he, he's the exact quarterback the 49ers needed. I think you could full stop there. He has done exactly what a quarterback for that team needs to do and more. Sam is one of those things not getting paid any money so they can afford a lot of weapons on offense. Exactly. And he did that well. He did it very well. <laughs> uh, is it too much? Like, Are we too early to say he's Alex Smith? Like that's who he's always. I don't, always I don't hate that. He he might have a bit zippier arm a bit. Yeah, like not 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 one for one comparison, but well, as far close. as what he is as a quarterback, he remind he he fills that Alex Smith role. I don't. I will never call any 
I think the term game manager has gotten skewed to the point where people don't understand what it meant. He's he's a he's a field general. He does what he's supposed to do. Sam, as far as I understand, the definition of game manager is a term that dads use to make themselves feel better about how their lives are going. So to call a quarterback on a Sunday a game manager makes it easier for them to go to work on Monday and be a game manager in life. Fair enough. I dream of being a game manager at work. God. Jamie, it kind of hit me when you were talking like it's – you were talking about, like, is it, is it a product of the system? Did he maximize the system, et cetera, et cetera? I think, in a weird way, Brock Purdy is to the 49ers what Patrick Mahomes is to the Chiefs in that they both found a coach and a system that maximized their abilities. Like, Brock Purdy found a team that was loaded with weapons, had a brilliant head coach, who just just do the system and you'll be great. And Brock Purdy is a talented player who allows you to do that system to its absolute maximum. I think he's he's a perfect fit, and it maximized his abilities. Patrick Mahomes found this weird genius who likes cheeseburgers and staying up all night watching old leather helmet football and find new play calls and said, hey, go be you, man. And Adam Mahomes said, yes, sir, and maximized his abilities. He wanted Mahomes to push the envelope. And Mahomes said, fine, I'll take the envelope, I'll shred it, and I'll I'll do whatever I want. And they found this beautiful symbiotic relationship in both cases. So I think that if you – I think Brock Purdy is a very good quarterback, and I think that's partially because in the same way that – Patrick Mahomes found Andy Reid, Brock Purdy found Kyle Shanahan, and it maximized what he was good at. Okay, I have a comparison for you. Here's Brock Purdy's year this year. 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He had 4,280 yards. What do you think Jimmy Garoppolo had the year they went to the Super Bowl? I will, oh, I don't think he had 30. I think he had, tw- I'll say, 24 touchdowns, 8 picks, 3,600 yards. Okay, Sam? I was going to say like 3,800 yards. Trying to remember who was on that team. They weren't as scary, I don't feel like. Yeah, that was was 2013. 19. 2019, excuse me. That would have been Debo's rookie year? Yeah, he was very young if he was there. Kittle was still there. Yeah, Kittle was the big weapon at that point. 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Pretty close. Uh, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So four less touchdowns, two more interceptions, and 3,978 yards. Their stats don't look that different. Yeah, I was saying that's closer than I would have thought. <laughs> and Purdy, I feel like, has better weapons around him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Considering they now have Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And- Ayuk, I feel like, is better. Debo is better. Kittle, I would say, is not as good as he was, but he's still a great player. Just quit making the guy block. <laughs> Dude, I just go send a – Chiefs should send a third-round pick for Kittle instead of Tony and just run double tight the entire game. That's what <laughs> they should do. Again, it, it is funny, too, because the 49ers refuse to abandon having a fullback. 
who could block for you. Which, which God bless them, because Kyle, you, Kyle, you said, oh, God, Kyle, you, you check is great. I have a real hard time with words today, guys. Last thing here about the 49ers offense versus the Chiefs defense, and then we'll flip the coin to the other side. We talked a little bit about how big of a loss it would be last week. Uh, Sam, while you were out, Jacob and I, about Charles Aminahue. He will not play. His his surgery is scheduled, I think, for next Tuesday. I think it is, as I saw James Palmer tweet out, something like that. How do you fill the void, though, that's left by him? Because Jacob talked about it a lot last week. Like He's, he's your best edge rusher, full stop. Like he was the dude out there. And his versatility allowed you to present a lot of different looks. And now you don't have him. So how do you go about filling that void? Um, Sam, we'll let you bat lead off this time. Firstly, I don't think you can fill it. Like, you can't replace a guy like Charles Amenehu. He is a very unique talent um, with his ability to go inside-outside and be successful at both. Um he like we've like we've said he is kind of the if Spagnolo could design a player in the lab, I think he'd create Charles Amenehu for the most part. They are not outside of Trent Williams again, best tackle in the game still. At what is he almost forty? Like <laughs> guy just keeps going. Offensive line not 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 bad, but not great. Um, and I think this is, you, you have to bring, you have to roll them all out. I think Felix has to get some play. Um, we saw last year what happened when our, uh, we rookie actually performed in the Super Bowl, which was good. So maybe Felix can do something. Um, and you got to hope Turk can come in and, and fill that inside role. That that's the thing is that we don't have one player that can do both of what he does. So you're having to try to fill his ability to play inside-outside with multiple guys. Obviously, Derek Nottie not being there hurts with that just rotational depth. But, yeah, it's it's you can't really fill it. You just have to replace it the best you can with who you got. Leo Chanel. Just defensive end Leo Chanel all game. Jacob. What about you? How do you go about trying to fill the void that's left by Charles Amenehu? I'd like to say Felix, but I don't think he should be in more than like the obvious pass passing situations. Because I like Felix a lot, and I don't understand. I didn't understand why he didn't get more playtime down the stretch for a situation like this. Because it is very easy to rotate defense alignment and get them familiar with your system and make sure their assignment sound. Because that'd be my fear as to. And like, all right, Felix, now you're going to take a big increase in play time when uh, we're going against an offense that's got a lot of things working for it. It's like, no, I don't think that's what they're going to do. It's like I think I said last week, it's just going to be a rotation of guys of filling in. Like I think you mentioned Wharton and Dana and blitzes from players that don't line up on the defensive line. So Trent McDuffie incoming, Legereus Need incoming, Justin Reed incoming, and of course Leo Chanel will finally get to put his hand on the ground. He's coming out with the murderers row. 
It's, it is, it's going to have to be a variety. I think you have to alter how you do things. I think you go from relying on your defensive line to relying on your linebacking core. You're getting Willie Gay Jr. back is huge. Leo Chanel, like you both have said, can basically be a defensive end. And is great north to south, which against the run is is huge. I don't I don't know, man. Like I don't know if you can make up for the pass rush that he could provide from anywhere on the field in as a, as a standalone player. I don't think there's any one guy who's going to do it. I think you do have to be creative. I, we talked about the stats last time, uh, last week, Jacob, about the pressure rates, and it was like a set, an 8% drop from the first six weeks when you don't have a many hue to when you did have a many hue. Like, that's that doesn't just get replaced with one dude. So I think it's going to have to be creative. I think Sam... Like we talked about last week, Jacob was right all along about Willie Gay Jr. Rush that man. Bring him off the edge whenever you can, feasibly. Just get pressure however you can. But I don't think there's any one man on that roster who's going to to fill that spot. Let's flip it to the other side of the football. We're going to start with how the Chiefs' offensive line can handle this defensive front, and specifically Nick Bosa. For the San Francisco 49ers. Bose is a monster. No denying it. Chase Young is a promising young defensive end who's just been riddled with injuries through his young career. Jason Hargrave is a Hargrove is a dude in the middle. When healthy, he's a monster. How do you guys game plan for this defensive line? You know, I, I think I put on the rundown. What's the game plan? What's your game plan for Nick Bosa and the 49ers pass rush? How do you go about trying to keep Patrick Mahomes upright? Jacob, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think you pretend like it's a couple of years ago when you were having to, well, I guess it was just last year. Sorry. <laughs> with Orlando Brown, you're having to chip and you're doing a lot of stuff with Kelsey where you're like, you're going to pretend either pretend like you're blocking or you're going on a quick route where you're pretending like you were blocking and catching the ball, you know, quick type play off that edge. If you're going that way, because I think he's your biggest threat. That's as much as we can. And people can not like the character, Nick Bosa, you got to respect the football player because dude is elite. He's one of those guys that can wreck a game and grab your team a possession or two. See Von Miller in his Super Bowl is like, he's that level of playmaker that can just absolutely ruin a game. And so I do think you have to game plan for Bosa specifically and always give attention there and always be thinking about how are you managing him each play. So like I said, my answer is chip him, chip him, chip him. Sam, what about you? How do you try to go about neutralizing the pass rush of the 49ers who have been successful about getting to the quarterback this year? Yeah, you're their defense is a lot like their offense where you can't focus on one guy um, because it's not just the guy. Like the fact that you named three guys, Sean, and there's one more is like the fact that Eric Armstead's there too. It's just, their defensive line is stupid. It is asinine that they're they've been able to create this defensive line, let alone what's back behind them. I think where 
Jacob is right. You 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 have to isolate, not isolate, but key on Bosa. He is there is a reason he got the monster contract he got. He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now. So he he's a major key. The but I think the other aspect is you can't you can't just allow them to pass rush. Like you have to keep them honest with Pacheco. We have to continue the 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 way that we've been running this offense, which has been successful. So I have no reason to think that they would switch away from it. But you have to keep them to the point where they can't just pin their ears back and go. They have to respect uh, our running game, which is not something we've been able to say in the past, and is great. Yeah, I agree with Jacob and you both that it's a matter of keeping them off balance. I I love the idea of running at them. I would be looking at misdirection at the yin-yang, try to keep Bosa off balance. I think if you can do that, the rest of it, fall into place is a, a bit a bit strong, but I think the rest of the, defensive, of the defensive line for the 49ers plays into your strengths on the interior. So if you can keep him off balance, I think you have a better shot at allowing Patrick Mahomes time in the pocket so I'd expect a lot of end arounds, a lot of misdirection, counter. You'll run at Bosa rather than run away from him and let him pursue, which is what he's just terrific at. I would do anything I could to just wear him out and make him really work before then, you know, either play action or dropping Mahomes back to try and throw the ball downfield. This next question might seem like something that should have gone under the defensive side of it, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, for me, it, it places a lot of importance on the offense. And this is something that I didn't see until today, but Mina Kimes uh, from ESPN, one of their fantastic analytics uh, and uh, analysts, tweeted this out earlier, and then it's a, a clip attached of her and Orlovsky chatting about it. But She tweeted out that, quote, San Francisco's zone running game this year, first in yards per carry. KC versus zone runs, 31st in yards per carry allowed. It's a pretty big discrepancy, guys. And again, it kind of like, if you look at both of these teams, neither one of them is particularly good against the run. If you go to Pro Football Reference and look at their team pages, go to like advanced stats, you can see how both of, uh, both of them struggle against the run um, and are actually negative in like points uh, contributed to the team. How important, knowing that Chiefs are 31st against a zone scheme like the 49ers run with McCaffrey, is getting the lead. Because before, I think in most situations, because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs fans have been spoiled to the point where you don't necessarily worry about things like time of possession, having the lead, things like that, because you know that Mahomes is always there, and he's shown time and time again that give him as little as uh, 17 seconds, or 13 seconds, excuse me, and he can find a way to get you into scoring position. That's an extreme example, but we've seen examples of him bringing a team back from having a deficit. In a case like this, where your defense has an Achilles heel, like playing against a very specific type of run scheme, 
how important is keeping a lead so that the 49ers aren't able to necessarily utilize that scheme to the fullest? Jacob, we'll start with you. I think it's important to stay within one score, not necessarily grab the lead. I think, you know, part of the strength against the Ravens was grabbing the lead and the Ravens feeling like Lamar Jackson had to play go shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes, which was my key to the the victory and and Sam's key to the victory that he had forgot about. Uh, so it was stolen valor on my part. But now that Sam doesn't realize that it was his valor anymore, it's not my valor. Uh, but I, I think as long as you're within one score where you can tie it up and be like, hey, the pressure is back on you. We dare you to run the football with whatever time is left or, you know, teams just get so prideful of we can go shot for shot with this guy. And so I think that's the more important part is like you don't get down multiple scores where they feel like they can just run the ball. Sam, what about you? How how important to you is keeping a lead knowing the Chiefs struggle against a zone run scheme the way the 49ers do? Yeah, I think you you do want – obviously, you want to be in control of every game. But I think Jacob is right where we – you you almost don't want them to get too far behind because then then they go into let's use all of the weapons mode and it's like it, it's damned if you do damned if you don't because they are such a ridiculously stacked team um i i'd like to see us keep or like jacob said keep it within one score whether up or down and that that me it, it doesn't allow them just to shift into one mode or another. They're they're playing, and again that plays into keep letting Spags uh, control the game, letting hit, making them play to us instead of us play to them. I've been trying to figure out how I feel about this throughout the day because that's I, I pulled a Jacob and I put a question on here that I don't necessarily feel like I have a good answer for. I think optimally you would play the entire game with a lead and negate the ability for them to utilize Christian McCaffrey while also, like I said earlier, letting LeJarrius Sneed shadow Debo Samuel and then maybe you can take two weapons out of the game. Probably their two best weapons out of the game. I don't know that that's realistic, so I do kind of agree with Jacob that just stay within the score. If you're down or you're up, at least be within a score. If you can get up two scores, awesome. That's that's fantastic. Really take them out of their ability to run the ball and let your defense do what it does best and play you know, coverage and rush the passer. Last thing here on the offense, and this kind of leans back into the references made in the uh, introductions here. Kadarius Tony obviously has some problems with the Chiefs and his last Instagram rant. I get that he tried to smooth things over during the the media session on opening night of Super Bowl week, but he hasn't been good all year. He doesn't play in this past game. He goes on Instagram and complains about it, even though he's supposed to be like there for the birth of his first child. Like, what are we doing here, bro? 
So my question to you guys is, would you still utilize Kadarius Tony, knowing that your offense could use someone like his skill set specifically against the 49ers if you look at how they played them last year where they ran a lot of jet sweeps. Kadarius Tony actually, I think that was his, was that his first game as a Chief? I think it was his first game as a Chief. And he scores a touchdown. The ability to keep Nick Bosa off balance is huge. So having someone like Tony available is a big deal. And also, just in last year's Super Bowl, Kadarius Tony has a big punt return. And scores on Corndog, which is awesome. Would you still try to utilize him in those roles? You know, jet sweeps, punt return. Would you still try to give him the ball in those situations? Or has he burned too many bridges at this point? Has he shown that his head's just not in it with the amount of drops that he's had this year? What would you do with Kadarius Tony going into the Super Bowl against the 49ers? Jacob, we'll start with you. No. <laughs> just no. Don't need the distraction. Don't need the guy. You have other ways to make plays. But it's also not McCall Hardman, just to be clear. <laughs> uh, also, Kadarius Tony's first game was the Titans. Damn. He did, must not have played against the 49ers because I don't see it. In his game log. Um, might have been McCole Hartman on the jet sweep, but I'm just... McCole Hartman had a huge game against the 49ers. That tracks. I'm just flipping them. I But that doesn't mean I want McCole Hartman to touch the ball even a single time. <laughs> Sam, what about you? Would you be willing to try and utilize Skidarius Tony against the 49ers, or is he too much of a risk? Has he caused too many headaches for you to feel comfortable giving him the ball? What was your guys' uh, – how were you feeling about MVS towards the end of the year? Rough. Real rough. I was ready to cut him. And then he goes out in two postseason games, and I'm not saying he blows things off, blows the doors off, but is a vital part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I like Kadarius Tony. I, I want, I've wanted to like him. I've wanted him to work. Since we got him, I think if you go back and listen to all the episodes, I was incredibly excited about his his capabilities and his possibilities. It's just not it's not there. It's obviously not there. Um, but we're to the point you've gotten. We're to the point where you use the weapons you have. You allow Pat to throw to the guys he 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 feels comfortable throwing to, and we. I guarantee you, if you would have asked me. At the end of the regular season, would Pat trust MBS with another deep ball? I sort of laughed, but he did. So I no, I yeah, I would like to not see him be used because I don't want him as a chief anymore after after kind of the escapades he's put on. But you use the players you have because that's all you got. And so yeah, it, 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 not super excited about him on the offensive offensive side of the ball. But as a punt returner, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, and then if he catches a ball, that's important. Great. Hey, some clarity to my McCole Hardman stuff. Last year when they played the Niners, McCole Hardman had three touchdowns. How many yards total between rushing and receiving do you think that was? Ten. 
I'll say 25. It was 60, but still, it's yeah. just Man. like... If you <laughs> ask me about McCall Hardman, having three touchdowns would be like, yeah, there's oh, no way it's over 40 yards. That's right. He had the big pass down the sideline, though, that I think accounted for like half of that. <laughs> Probably. Probably. He had 32 receiving yards and 28 rushing yards. Yeah, that tracks. Okay. Don't feel as bad. Let's get to some final scores and bold predictions for the Super Bowl. Just a quick recap. Last time we did this two weeks ago, Jacob, you predicted the Chiefs would win 28-24 and that Zay Flowers would be held under 50 yards. Apparently, I need to make those predictions, Jacob, not you. You you do need to be the guy to make those calls. Uh, I won't do it again. Don't worry. Sam, you also predicted 28-24 after not listening to what Jacob had said uh, about his predictions and then said that uh, Mark Andrews had four catches for 42 yards and Rasheed Rice would have 100 yards and two tutties. I then followed suit because you guys had set a precedent and I couldn't pick any other score, picked 28-24, and that Isaiah Pacheco would have 120 yards total between receiving and rushing. And two touchdowns. So it feels good to know we're we're back on back on our horse or mule, as it were. So what do we got for this go around, guys? Jacob, we'll let you bat lead off here. Final score for the Super Bowl and your bold prediction. What do you got? I'm going with my guns. This might be the bold prediction. Is this is the 2018 Patriots? Chiefs will win this game, 13 to three. Everyone complains about how boring of a game it was. We all agree with it, and we just dust off our new ring. I don't know why there's dust on the new ring, but um, there is. <laughs> um, and then I'll give Felix a sack. After all that talk of me saying he's not going to play, he's going to play 10 snaps, but he's going to have one sack. I will be insufferable if... Felix on your DK Osama gets a sack in this game. Sam, what do you got for us? Final score and bold predictions for Chiefs 49ers. Oh, final score 23-17 Chiefs. Bold prediction. Because I'm actually, I don't know. Just go with Debo. Debo has less than... 40 yards of total offense. I am going to say, I think the Chiefs are embracing their role as villain. And I do think that with all the talk and all the chatter, I I think we're going to get, maybe not a full heady Mahomes, but we'll get close. And so I think this might be actually a bit of a higher score. I think the Chiefs go 28, and I'll say it's 21-49ers. 28-21 28-21 Chiefs get the dub. And I say that Mahomes is responsible for all four. Sean, I just want to be clear real quick. Did you just come up with a new nickname for Patrick Mahomes? Petty, Petty Mahomes? Have you Petty ever Mahomes. heard that? That's not new. That's been around for a while. Oh, okay. Well, I've heard people say, like, hey, he's, he holds all the grudges and stuff, but I haven't heard anyone call him Petty Mahomes. Oh, you know, he's that's that's a. I would I would love to take credit for that, but uh, 
I would feel disingenuous doing it. But no, that's a that's a oldie goodie. Well, if you learn anything from this podcast, I've stolen Sam's Lamar Jackson outlook. So hopefully, whoever originally said it forgotten, then you can just claim it. I'm going to add a second bold prediction. In his last game in a Chiefs uniform, Chris Jones just goes bonkers. It's like two and a half sacks because he served us well, but we know this is the last time we see him in a Chiefs uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. Boy, howdy, if you've got a tradition, if you've got a ritual, if you've got anything that could bring some positive juju to the Chiefs' kingdom, please do so. This is the time to do it. We'll be rooting and backing our Chiefs the whole way. Anything to do to bring positive vibes, we most appreciated. Hopefully, the next time we're chatting, it will be to discuss another Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win. Until next time, you all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next week. And everybody remember, if you see Sean in the streets before the Super Bowl, do not mention the game or he will go into a mental collapse.